Greetings, everyone. Happy Father's Day to those of you with us in person this morning, you dads, and those of you online. So glad you could uh, join us. Uh, I'm speaking a Father's Day sermon, I guess, so primarily to uh, you dads here present. Uh, but I hope there's truth in this sermon for everyone. And for those of you that are sitting beside a dad, you could kind of do the elbow thing once in a while if you think maybe he's not getting it. Uh, and this, this sermon, now it is a sermon, but maybe a little heavy this morning on the anecdotes. I'm going to share some memories of how my father is illustrative of some of the things that I want to, to say to you. Some people, I remember uh, in school, I used to talk to my preaching students about the absolute necessity of stories, illustration, anecdotes in a sermon. And uh, I was taught that by a, someone I came under the influence about 40 years ago who made the point that if you're teaching preaching, you can get your point across to people's heads with a, a truth, but if you want to get it to their heart, you need, it needs a, a human interest story, a story to take it from the head to the heart. And so I hope you'll uh, forgive. If you don't like sermons with some stories in them, you probably wouldn't like Jesus' sermons because many of his sermons were stories from beginning to end. So Father, as we look to your word this morning, speak to us. Let us hear truth from you that gets to our heads, yes, but also gets to our hearts and more than that, touches our mind, our heart, but gets to our will. So we'll make a decision that we will change, that we'll walk in obedience to your word. Speak to us in Jesus' name, I ask it, amen. Well, I am a dad and I'm a granddad and as of 17 days ago, I'm a great-granddad. Yes, you can congratulate me. That would be a thank you. That would be appropriate. And I have over 50 years experience as a dad because our oldest son, Brock, turned 50 this February past. But you know something? I look back over those 50 years with mixed feelings. Yes, I look back with pride and joy, most certainly, but I also look back with some regret, some opportunities that I recall, opportunities missed, occasionally priorities misplaced, and yes, I made some, some unwise decisions. So when Father's Day comes around and I read the cards from my now grown children, I do appreciate them, but I don't believe them completely. Can't, I guess. Now, this is Father's Day, and as we've as already been mentioned, we want to honor uh, the fathers here present with us and you fathers out there with us online. Uh, but we're not honoring you because of the biological function that made you a dad. That's not why we're honoring you. We're honoring you because of the vital task that you fulfill leading and shaping our children and modeling for our children. And so 
we want to, we honor you because those of you that fill a fatherly role, I'm sure there are some here that as an uncle or a teacher or a coach, at times you've filled the father role with younger ones under you. So I want to honor you today and I want to challenge you. Being a dad, there's no question that being a dad isn't a great honor, it is, and it's a great privilege, but also it's a great responsibility. And as your pastor, I want to help this morning. And so some would say about this fathering business, well, experience is the best teacher. And fatherhood is no different than anything else. You have to learn to father by trial and error, that's life. Well, I see the truth in that. And yet for the Christ follower, can I remind you this morning that experience is not the best teacher. The book is. The book, the Bible. And so we're going to start this morning in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. And if you want to go to your book, but the words will be on the screen we're going to use. Down near the end of his first letter, he turns his attention to men, to dads, and writes these words in what I'm referring to as the greatest parenting manual ever. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, down near the end of the chapter, verse 58, here's what we read. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Be strong and unmovable. Throw yourself enthusiastically into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Then you move ahead some verses into chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 13 you read, again he's writing to men. Keep your eyes open. Stand firm in the faith. Hold tight to your convictions. Be courageous, men. Be strong. And whatever you do, do it with kindness and love. And maybe, dads, I need to remind you today that our work is never finished. Some of you maybe are in the mode of the empty nest mode. But I remind you that even with your grown and gone children, your influence your influence is still strong, and your prayers follow them. And of course, the, there's the wonderful world of grandparenting that has given, affords some of us a kind of a second shot at it. So with these things in mind, I want to look today at the five things that the book considers if you're going to be a strong dad, these are the five things involved in being a strong dad. And here's the first. Strong dads are firm. They're firm. And I take you back to the scripture that we just read that says, Brothers, stand firm. Be strong and unmovable. Hold tight to your convictions. Let me just park there briefly to say this. Hold firmly to your convictions. We live in a culture that is getting bolder and bolder in their, in their assertions that your convictions, your convictions are outmoded. They're outdated. Your convictions are not relevant anymore 
today, that your convictions are not applicable, and some would even go so far to say that those truths, your convictions, those things you hold near and dear, are even offensive to many in the culture and need to be abandoned, they would advise, need to be replaced with something that better fits our ever-changing culture. But hear me this morning. If your convictions, if your convictions are based on God's word, then you need to hold firm to your convictions. God hasn't adapted or changed his mind on anything that he has told us in his word down through the centuries. He, what was true and what applied in the year 121 still applies in the year 2021. So I say to you today, hold firm, hold firm to your convictions. Now, a while back, I heard Dr. Laurel Buckingham, who has been in this pulpit a couple of times in my year, two years here. I heard him uh, preach a sermon from Jesus' words to the disciple Peter. Jesus' words to Peter went like this. Your, your name is Simon, but it shall be Peter. Now, back in... Back in New Testament times, a name change was very significant. It just wasn't done because someone didn't like their name or whatever. It was a significant thing. And so Pastor B, that's what we all called him through the years, Pastor Buckingham, explained to us that Jesus is saying to him, you have been like a reed, R-E-E-D. You've been, frankly, you've been wishy-washy. You've been back and forth. You've been up and down. You've been hot and cold like a reed blowing in the wind. But then he says, you shall be like a rock. One who stands for something, you're going to be from now on unmovable, dependable, and firm. Now, when I say to you this 21st century dads that you should be firm it may bring to the mind of some of you here and online it may bring to you a picture of uh, a dad who's rigid absolutely rigid and inconsiderate and overbearing and it's my way or the highway kind of dad it may bring that picture to your mind, but that's not what I mean, and that's not what this marriage manual that I'm reading to you from means. The book of Ephesians teaches us this, that a husband is the head of his wife and therefore the head of the home, but then goes on to say, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, this doesn't, so therefore, this, what I'm teaching to you about dads being firm doesn't give the right for dads to say, I'm in charge here, and like it or not, what I say goes. No, the last part of the verse urges on us that we're to be, as, we're to be the head of the home as Christ is the head of the church. And how does Christ do the head of the church thing? Well, he was firm, for sure, but not the lording it over the disciples, not like, I'm the boss, you guys do what I say. That wasn't him. On the night before Jesus was crucified, we see this illustrated. As, as the soldiers approached to arrest Jesus, Jesus was the head, right, of the disciples. 
uh, Jesus spoke to the soldiers, John 18, verse 8, and said some firm words. Here's what he said. If you're looking for, if you are looking for me, then let these men go. And so Jesus, as the head of those disciples, means, the head means that you're to give yourself up for those you love. Head means to accept the responsibility for the well-being of your loved ones. That's a far different thing than lording it over and insisting that you're the boss. That means a strong dad accepts the responsibility, holds to his convictions, sets standards and guidelines, and, and insists that these guidelines need to be followed. Lovingly insists. An inner city school in a large city stateside was was surrounded by traffic-laden streets, and the school and the playground was enclosed by a one-time sturdy six-foot wire fence. I say one time. Now it had there were sections of the fence that was leaning badly, so it was only three or so feet high in some places. There was a hole in the fence here and another there and another over here. So they took the fence down around this school and playground to replace it. And the children, when the the first time that the children went out for recess with the fence gone, interesting enough, when they went out onto the playground, no fence any longer, they congregated in the center of the playground and stayed away from the unfenced perimeter. Do you see the point I'm after there? Children... Children and teenagers need a fence. They truly do need a fence. It gives them them a sense of security. And so firm dads put up a fence because they love their children, to protect their children. They establish standards of expected behavior out of love for their children. Our children to know, need to know what the rules are and they need to know that they're expected to follow those rules and there would be consequences if they don't. Yes, strong dads are firm. Now I hasten to add there are four more. I won't spend as long on the next four. So strong dads are firm, but I want you to notice next from this passage, strong dads are also flexible. And I take you back to the scripture I just read to you that says, whatever you do, Do it with kindness and love. In another letter, Paul advises, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, he says, Fathers, listen to this, do not exasperate your children. He's saying, do not frustrate them by your rigidity, by your refusal to discuss and reason things out with your kids. Don't exasperate them with an un bending, bullheaded manner. And so the scripture is advising us, yes, you need to be firm, but flexible. And and flexible means sensible in matters not essential. And it certainly means approachable. Whoever, Whoever held a standard of good moral and ethical living higher than Jesus did. And yet on one occasion, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a grain field on the Sabbath. Now, they had rules for the Sabbath. I mean, did ever they have rules? And you couldn't walk in a grain field and pick 
uh, not on the Sabbath to do that. Well, they were hungry. The disciples were. So as they made their way on the Sabbath through the grain field, here the disciples, they picked and ate, and the Pharisees were always watching, always unbending, always demanding, unreasonable religious leaders were all over Jesus at this point. And they say, now look what you've done. You've broken the law. If I could translate Jesus' response to them, it would go like this. Oh, give me a break. Just be sensible, he's saying. Be flexible. Now, my dad was certainly a firm dad. We all knew growing up, all six of us, we knew where the fence was. And yet, and yet he was flexible. I grew up in this church. And, and as I recall it, this might be a slight exaggeration, but we had rules here and rules and more rules and then rules on how to keep the rules, or so it seemed to me. One of those rules back in, I'm talking the 1950s, and I'm just a child, by many, television was considered a social evil, and we didn't have one, and, uh, and yes, they were invented when I was a kid. But, but some leaders, and I say leaders in the church, I'm talking about lay people, people in the pews in this church, were outspoken that no one who claims to be a believer ought to own the devil's toolbox. That was the TV. There were pastors around this area, at least some of ours in our, our denomination, who preached against owning one. My dad didn't. He was flexible enough to see that wouldn't be wise. And so we didn't own one more because it would be so frowned on by those inside the church. So nights, though, after dinner was over, we were allowed, Conard and I were allowed, my younger brother and I were allowed to go out into the neighborhood and knock on doors and say, can we come in and watch TV? And we'd stay as long as they would let us, sometimes even up, up to an hour. And it was a wonderful experience. Dad knew we did that, but he just kind of turned his head because he was, he, he was wise. He had some flex to him. Strong dads are firm, and yet at the same time, they're sensible, flexible. Here's number three. Strong dads are fallible. The word is fallible. And, and by that, I simply mean this. Sometimes, dads, our judgment is wrong. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. There are times, dads, when we speak before we think. Sometimes we overreact, and sometimes we act out of anger and say things we wish we had not have said. Paul admits that he's fallible. When he writes to the church at Philippi, he wrote and said these words, he said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, he writes, but he says, I keep working, Philippians 3.12. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm fallible, not perfect here, and, and I'm fallible and so are you. We don't always get it right, Dad. Strong men can say, hear this now, Dad. Strong men can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. When strong dads mess up, they don't say things like that. Well, I had a long and difficult day. 
They don't say, well, I didn't sleep too good last night, so I was a little on edge. Besides, you we don't do that. Fallible dads don't say, well, there's a lot of pressure on me at, at work right now, so explaining or giving excuses. Strong dads can say those wonderful, awesome words, I'm sorry. They can do that. When I was about 10, I attended the, got to get my bearings here, yeah, the Gibson Memorial School over here. It's not a school anymore. I attended school there, grades 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And when I was in grade 5, I was taking music lessons, and my music lessons, the lessons, the assignment for my music teacher was written in a little black book, and on the way to school one day, I lost that little black book, and I needed it. And so I asked my homeroom teacher if I could go around class to class. There wouldn't have been more than eight or nine classes in the whole building, right? One class per grade, pretty much. And, and ask if anybody had picked up my little black book. The teacher said I could. So here I am I now going around classroom to classroom. Said, anybody find a book looks like this? When I met the principal, Wilfred Crandlemeyer, there wouldn't be more than a person or two in here. Maxine, maybe you remember Wilfred Crandlemeyer? And uh, he was the principal over here. He was a good man. He saw me going from class to class, spoke to me and said, uh, you better go back to your classroom now. So he did what he said. He's the principal. But the next day, he came to me and said, I couldn't believe he was saying it to me. John, I'm sorry. I sent you back to your classroom yesterday because I thought, I thought you were trying to give away the little book that someone had lost it and you were looking for the owner of it. I didn't know that you had lost something. I thought you were just trying to find the owner of the book and I'm sorry. Wilfred Crandlemeyer, strong man, good man, fallible man. Here's the fourth of five I have for you today. Strong dads are also fun. Yes, they are. Somewhere between the words of the scripture that I read to you this morning, if you put kindness and love together, and this is a judgment call on my part, I don't think I'm stretching to interpret, I believe you can put fun in there. I don't think you can be kind and loving without being fun. So I put fun in between kindness and love. Strong dads are fun dads. Now, I think the strongest evidence that Jesus was fun was that children loved him. Take a look at this picture on the screen. Isn't that unusual? I remember growing up, and all the pictures I ever saw of Jesus was stoic, stern-looking. And I have to believe that that Jesus, when children were around, didn't look like that. It's rarely you see a picture of Jesus laughing. And the children, children swarmed to him because Jesus was fun. And they just, they came to him because he was fun and he loved them and he, they loved him. Can I say to you that strong dads are fun? They can laugh, laugh at themselves. Now, very few in this room remember my dad. And I guess if you did know my dad, he's been in heaven now these 25 years. You would have, you would have thought of him as a reserved, uh, kind, but rather serious, somewhat introverted kind of man. If you heard him preach, 
Uh, you would never catch a, a hint of any humor in his sermons. He didn't say funny things in sermons. But my dad was a fun dad, just a couple of anecdotes to illustrate that. I remember the year on Halloween night. Halloween night back in that day was kind of a raucous time here in this little town of Marysville. A lot of deviltry kinds of things happen. And uh, one year, the Halloweeners, we lived right down here at the end of Fisher Avenue, and the Halloweeners got into the barn. My father, although a pastor, kept a garden and an animal or two. And we had a calf in there. And the Halloweeners broke in and painted the calf orange. And uh, Dad thought that was hilarious. What he didn't think was so hilarious is trying to get that oil-based paint off of the cow, uh, the calf, and the calf was sick for a short time but recovered. My dad still thought it was hilarious. Or how about the year the Halloweeners got into the church, this church right here? Back in the day, we used to have a loudspeaker on top of the church, and we called it chimes, but there were no bells up there. But the records had the bells in the on the record, and it played out all, all over the town Sunday morning. Well, that year, the Halloweeners got in there, not me, of course. I was the watchdog out on the lawn to alert those that were in the building in case the police showed up. They got in there and got the power on and played Elvis Presley's great hit, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, and that blasted all over the town. My father thought that was absolutely hilarious. Some men in the church wanted those who broke in caught and prosecuted for break and enter until one of those men that took that stand discovered that his own grandson was one of those in the building and there was no more talk of chasing them down. He was fun. My dad was a fun guy. How about the night... We lived right here on Coronation when I got my first car at 17 years of age, a 1952 Chev that I bought for $90. The problem is it was 1963, and the car was totally worn out the day I bought it. Dad, come for a drive with me. This is 9.30 at night. Come on, go for a drive. I just brought it home. We'll just go around the block. So he came out and got in. It wouldn't start. Well, we're on a hill here, so I coasted all the way down, Dad's in his pajamas, coasted all the way down the hill and got to the stop and edged around the corner and the car still didn't start. What do I do now? Well, it wasn't going to start and my dad in his pajamas, I can remember yet, my dad out of the car and running as fast as he could run in his pajamas back up the hill to the house which is up on Coronation. We teased him about that till the day he died. My dad was a fun dad. Are you? We ought to be fun, good-natured, loving and kindness. Fun goes right in the mix. One more. Here it is I want to share with you. Strong dads are men of faith. Paul advises, stand firm in the faith. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking here about some basic head belief in a higher power out there somewhere. I'm talking about a vital, personal act of faith in a loving God who sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and wants us to serve him and love him as Savior and Lord. 
And I'm talking about a faith that doesn't just evidence itself on our tongues, what we say, but shows up in our hands and feet as we live every day. Strong men are men of faith. In the year 1522, reformer Martin Luther was asked to do a eulogy at the funeral of a colleague. The man's name was Nicholas Hossman. He was a pastor. What a powerful lesson Luther taught that day. And Luther only used five words. And here's what he said about Pastor Hoffman. What we preach, he lived. That's it. That's a man of faith. Dr. James Dobson, most of you know the name, founder of Focus on the Family, now an old man, 85 years old, Christian psychologist and author, had a profound influence on fathers these past 40 or so years. He wrote years ago these words. I only have the beginning of the quote for you to read, but I'm going to read it all. But it begins with these words. I believe the most valuable contribution a parent can make to his child is to instill in him a genuine faith in God. What greater ego satisfaction could there be than knowing that the creator of the universe is acquainted with me personally? That he values me more than the possessions of the entire world? That he understands my fears and, and my anxieties? That he reaches out to me in immeasurable love when no one else cares? That his only son actually gave his life for me that he can turn my liabilities into assets and my emptiness into fullness. That a better life follows this one, where the present handicaps and inadequacies will all be eliminated, where earthly pain and suffering will be no more than a dim memory. What a beautiful philosophy with which to clothe your tender child. What a fantastic message of hope and encouragement for the broken teenager who has been crushed by life's circumstances. And then he concludes with these words. I have staked my entire life on the validity of this message. So have I. What about you, Dad? Have you? Have you? I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, the dads here present in the room, if you're not comfortable with this, you could stay in your seats. But if you don't mind, dads, I want to pray a prayer for you before we sing a closing song. Would you dads present stand? And you dads online, just stand right in place where you are. I'm not asking you to come forward or anything. Just stand in place. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And you dads online, I want to include you in this prayer. Would you, uh, on the chat, come back at us and just say, I'm a dad, and I want to include you too in this prayer. Father, I bless the men here gathered in this room today, and I bless those online. Father, what a difficult day this is to, to be a dad. We're bombarded on every side with coming at us out of the culture are all kinds of messages that decry what we hold near and dear that say it's not relevant, not applicable, not appropriate, even offensive. Oh, Father, give the men, these men's, men I'm praying for with us and online, 
Give us the ability to stand firm. And yet, and, and yet in the midst of that, to be loving and kind. And, and so we'll be flexible in the way we uh, apply and, uh, that truth to our families. Help us to be, realize we're fallible. and we'll, we'll miss the mark and we'll fail. And we can come back and say, I'm sorry to you and to our children. Help us to be fun dads, but most of all, may we be men that stand strong in the faith. Let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.